This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. to God we serve. Amen. We're planning to have a family ministry day over there in Cooper City. My wife just said to me, sweetheart, I must have this group to sing for us. They did well, what do you say? Let's, let's say another amen for them. Thanks to, to all the musicians. We're happy for their ministry, amen? I pray that God continue to bless them and to help them. Today I continue with part two of the message, The Successful Couple. Are you happy to be here? Say amen. Amen. Loving Father, come by, we pray thee, and take full control of our service today. We'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think of the successful couple, we're thinking of how we can enhance ourselves, for it is people that make marriage what it is. And so, if we want to have a happy marriage, we must be happy people. <laughs> For it's one thing to say, well, I want to have a happy marriage, but the question is, are you happy? I want to have a peaceful marriage, but are you peaceful? Amen. And so, it's all about people. For people make marriage what it is. And this is why we say to those contemplating marriage, to the singles, Don't be deceived by the fanfare, the money, the house. 
the academia, the gifts, and all the accolades. Don't be deceived. For when we get married, what we'll really be living with is character. Amen. Amen. It is who you are. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Riches and poverty. Health and sickness. Better and worse. I like to say to my folk, you know, in, in premarital counseling, let me tell them, get ready. For many marry for the better, but the worse is going to come. What if tomorrow your spouse were to lose both limbs, both hands, both legs? Will you still stay with them? <laughs> Sometimes I like to, you know, when I think about it, my wife, for example, first were to come, she were to lose her limbs and so forth. Everyone, I, t I tell her, she says, sweetheart, would you stay with me? Or I say, if you were to lose both hands, both legs, you should see me carrying you around. <laughs> Just to be able to whisper in your ears. And to see you nod, just move your head. That's good enough for me. Amen. <laughs> Things happen and folk want to just disappear. When we marry, we must marry for the long haul. For the long haul. And this is why we must evaluate before we engage. We must count the cost. Can this person sustain, sustain it for the long haul? Sometimes, you know, I like to stimulate the pure minds of my kids with some questions. I say, if, if, if I were to give you one car, one car, what would it be? Lamborghini. <laughs> say, okay. That's nice. And how long would you keep it? What about the years when you start having children and you have four kids? Two doors. Would you still love it? He said, well, um, maybe I'd prefer 
I'd prefer a minivan. <laughs> In other words, when you think of the long haul, you have to think well. For this person must not just be for now. They must be able to sustain it for the long haul. And so we talk about character. And so today, as we talk about the successful couple, I want to continue with a few points in addition to those this morning. Successful couple. Please turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. Successful couples know how to resolve conflicts. And they are seeking always to improve their conflict resolution skills. They don't yell or raise their voice in impatience. Instead, they improve their argument while searching for facts. Happily married couples don't use or berate people. They support, encourage, and edify their spouse. They have a mindset of healing. They engage in restorative conversation. Remembering that God has committed to them the ministry of reconciliation. I want to talk a little about conflict resolution. Because in marriage, you will have conflicts. As a matter of fact, even before people get married, did you know you can evaluate and assess with a 95% accuracy whether a person will likely divorce after marriage? How do you do that, preacher? How do you do that? You know how you do it? You observe how they resolve conflicts today. Amen. <laughs> Just observe how they resolve conflicts today. And that gives you a good idea. As to their ability to maintain a long-lasting relationship. How do you resolve conflicts? Me? Me? I'm not going to take anything from them. If they slip, they slide. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Ambil bisan. When will you divorce? He said, yes. When fault do I find? I'm not going to take na- no nothing. Such person with such perspective will not make it. And so the question is, how do you resolve conflicts? For conflicts are inevitable in every relationship. There's no perfect marriage. There's going to be misunderstanding. We have, my wife and I, we have misunderstanding sometimes. We have disagreements. But the problem is not that you have disagreements. It is how you resolve them. How you resolve them. When I'm teaching on expectations to my young people planning to get married in premarital sessions, I give them a list of, for example, many times, a list of put together of a hundred questions that they should discuss with each other before they get married. On different aspects of marriage. And one of the questions, especially when it comes to conflict resolution, is this. How did your parents resolve conflicts? Was it good or was it bad? And if it was bad, will you take the same mode the same skills into our marriage to resolve conflicts. Do you know, friends, there's a lot of things we we will need to unlearn from our upbringing. For did you know primarily today, the way you raise your children is a direct reflection of how you were raised by your parents. Except something intervened to change that. And so if our upbringing was flawed, then we've got to change a lot of things. <laughs> the Bible says in Isaiah, it says, it says, cease to do evil and learn to do well. <laughs> we've got to unlearn some things and learn some new things. This is why we have a meeting like this, Pastor, so we can learn new perspectives on relationships. You can't say, well, I'm ready to get married. Have you learned? Are you ready for marriage? Are you marriage material? (laughs) 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 And not because a person just come in the church. Woo, that's mine. (laughs) 
You see, it is said that the church is a hospital for sinners, but some don't respond well to medication. <laughs> So not because they are just baptized, they're ready. <laughs> They've got to go through some training. This is why we have justification, but not just justification, we also have sanctification. <laughs> There's a period to grow in grace. Humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We've got to learn some things. How do we resolve conflicts? How we resolve conflicts? And so, friends, there are a few things to learn. A lot of us have had some wrong impressions on our minds. Those perspectives are stored in our subconscious minds. We have to, by God's grace, ask him to eradicate them. So how do we resolve conflicts? So the Bible says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. <laughs> Did you know that when you get married, you must possess a humble spirit? When you get married, you must have the mindset of reconciliation. A mindset of healing. For things are going to always happen in the relationship. Lapse in judgment. They're going to forget some things. Sometimes the spouse forget to do what they should have done. Or did what they should not have done. We should have the mindset of healing. It's like what we're saying is this. Am I ready to heal the relationship? Because the way some in marriage respond when there are issues is as though they don't care about healing. But we must be concerned about healing the relationship. When we say something to our spouse, we must ask before we say it, will I be able to heal the relationship after I say it? <laughs> or, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to tell them a piece of my mind and let the chips fall where they may and I don't care. When you think of saying it, you must ask the question, how will I heal it after I say it? 
For God has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. There are two kinds of people in a marriage. Number one, there is the disaster of marriage. And number two, there is the master of marriage. The disaster does not care. He does all the things that irritate and damage the relationship. He does not care. But the master, on the other hand, is always thinking, how can I heal the relationship? So today I charge you, be a master of relationship. Always thinking of how to heal. Sweetheart, this happened. I didn't know it would go this way. It's worse than I expected. Will you please forgive me? That's healing the relationship. You're always ready to heal the relationship. And so let me say a few more things here regarding healing the marriage and conflict resolution. So because of this, because the marriage is so fragile, we must handle it with care. For we are dealing with people's emotions. So what number one, don't raise your voice. Instead, improve your argument. It's your tone of voice. Be ready to talk rather than explode. Don't expect them to do it just because I say it. No, it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. When I talk, no dog bark. Really? Not in marriage. We must always be ready to communicate our perspectives. And if we don't understand it, we go and study about it so we can get at the language to speak it. We must be committed to personal development. And it's good sometimes to study together. One lady, for example, she had a physical issue. The husband could not understand it. Why are you always like this? What's happening? She said, but you know, I feel this is what's happening to me. I'm just not there. It's a medical issue. But then he could not understand it. Always impatient. Then she said, well... Let's go and study about it together. They went to Google. Start their research. And they studied about it together. Followed the symptoms. 
And then he realized that she was suffering from a certain medical concern. And then, because of that understanding after a while, the next time he acted differently, for he now knew the facts of the case. So if you don't know, it's good if, if you invite each other to let's study together. For when there is knowledge, there is changed behavior. So when your spouse says, can we talk, can we go and discuss this, can we read this together? I don't have no time for that. Then the question is, are you a master of relationship? So don't raise your voice, improve your argument. Next thing, attack problem, not people. Amen. <laughs> what about that? We're talking about conflict resolution skills. Attack problem, not people. So when things happen, don't flip and start pointing finger. It is you. It is you who did it. It is you. Have you touched the problem yet? There's a big difference. Attack problem, not people. Another thing, avoid using the you statements when you're angry. You can't do anything good. I know you a long time. It's you who did it. You always make a mistake. You always do wrong. You're just like your grandmama. <laughs> you statements. Every time you use that you statement to your spouse, they interpret it as you attacking their character. And it's like a dart to their soul. And everybody, every day, has to live with himself 24 hours a day, and he'll spend his life defending himself. So then they become defensive. So instead of using the you statements, use the I statement, amen, where you now express how you feel. And nobody can deny your feelings. For example, you're always late. What's wrong with you? You never, you never come to work and you never go to church. And what's wrong? The person is going to respond. It's not just me. You too. You too. And it doesn't stop. And it escalates. But instead of using the you statement, what if you say, you know, when you come to church late, you know, I 
feel uneasy about it. I don't feel happy. I like it when we can come together and we sit together, things like that. Did you hurt anybody? You're just expressing your feelings. Naturally, the person may say, well, oh, I never thought that you felt that way. I'm sorry. You get the point? It reduces the tension. And it makes them look, think differently. Conflict resolution. Another thing in conflict resolution is this. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. <laughs> the Bible puts it beautifully. He says, where there's no fire stick, the fire goes out. But if, 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 if the situation is already heated, volatile, and you continue to push and push and push, the fire will burn down the entire house. And so we must learn to what? Soft answer turneth away wrath. What grievous words stir up anger. So let's bear that in mind. Another thing, friends, in conflict resolution is this. Do what the Bible says. Make the first move towards reconciliation. What about that? Me? They hurt me first. They'll have to come to me. I'm not going to them. No. In conflict resolution, make the first move. Amen. Not only in our families, but also at the workplace with our relatives. There's a text in Matthew. If you brought your gifts to the altar to worship, and you remember that your brother has ought against you, not you having ought against them. Leave your gifts at the altar and go and reconcile with them, then come again to worship. In other words, you just use some harsh words at your husband. And you left him at home crying. For your words is tongue like viper. <laughs> Men can be hurt too, is that right? I told that many are like coconut, is that right? Outside they look hard, but inside there is jelly. <laughs> they too have a heart that is responsive to tender loving care. So you left him at home hurting. And so you come to church and say, I have to go to church for I have to do the prayer. <laughs> so let me rush. <laughs> but he's crying at home. 
I don't care. He deserves it. You know what God is saying? Cease the worship. Cease the worship. Leave your goods at the altar. Leave the offering with the pastor. Amen. <laughs> but go back home. Not time for worship. Go back home and reconcile with him first. Then you'll come again. Amen. Or pull aside, pull off the road somewhere in the car and trash it out. Is that right? Then you come back to worship. In other words, in God's economy, your relationship with your spouse is extremely important, not less. Not less than worship. If you say you love God, whom you cannot see, <laughs> but hate your brother whom you can see, the truth is not in you. God is concerned about how we relate to our spouse. Amen. First Peter 3 and verse 7. Can you put that on the screen for me? First Peter 3 and verse 7. God is interested in how we relate our partners in marriage. Did you know, friends, that the wrong treatment of your spouse, the wrong treatment of your spouse can cause God to stop his ears when you pray? Amen. First Peter 3 and verse 7. You know what the Bible says there? It says, Husband, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being ears together of the grace of life. Why? That your prayers be not hindered. In other words, the wrong treatment of your spouse can cause God to turn away when you pray. God is intimately interested in how we treat one another. Amen. We can treat any people anyhow and come bowing down before him in glory and grace. He says further, you, you even damage hurt one of these little ones? He says, better if a millstone is put around her neck. Serious language. We must be sensitive to the feelings of each other. Amen. Friends, the happiest couples seek to improve their conflict resolution skills. The happiest couple are gentle with their words. They live to serve one another. Amen? Amen. Serve one another. When I get up in the morning, 
first thing on my mind, as I told you this morning after I pray, is what? How to make my wife happy today. Amen. <laughs> How to massage her emotion. I mean, look for every opportunity. Every opportunity to do it. Even to say to her, you know, sweetheart, man, just to, just to wake up beside you every day. It, it, it's sunshine in the room even though the drapes are closed. Amen. <laughs> it's about serving them, isn't that right? Be like your master. Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Not to be served, but to serve. When we get married, our life work is about serving our spouse. <laughs> serving them. <laughs> one morning, one morning, man, you know, I brought her breakfast in bed. She got on the phone talking to her mom and her sisters and says, look at this. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Call up her girlfriend. I'm in love. That's how you do it. Some time ago, some time ago, I saw something on social media. The man was washing the, girl, the lady's feet. And then the question was asked, is this okay? Okay? That's our job. Amen. <laughs> we treat them with tender loving care. Sometimes I ask folk in counseling, when you were dating, before you got married, did you ever fantasize about just loving a girl? He said, yes, pastor. So I said, what's wrong now? <laughs> the happiest couple. Serve one another. Amen. I know my time is gone, but it's good to be with you. <laughs> Friends, it's a good thing when we have God in the center of our family. <laughs> when God is in the heart, friends, there's no more selfishness. Amen. You don't think so much of your own as the other. Yeah. Be kindly affectioned one to another in brotherly love. With what? In honor, preferring one another. In other words, outdo each other in showing honor. Amen. That's what the text means. You're always living to serve one another. I say to my young people today, you want to marry? Find him in Eden in God's presence. Yes. I said to the young man, you want to marry? Find her in God's hands. And when you are married, spend your life serving each other. Amen. In closing, friends, my wife is going to sing a song today. I'll give you Jesus. He'll take away this stony heart. He'll give us a heart of flesh. He'll plant his spirit in our hearts.
and we can never be the same again. Amen. We are no more thin-skinned and following up everything, but we let go and let God. Amen. do sometimes but I'm so happy that you're a God of a second chance take me just as I am I want to pray for somebody today you want to join me today in saying Jesus I'm on your side take me just as I am let me see just raise your hand I want to pray for somebody today God bless you God bless you I see the hands just just raise your hand today and say preacher remember me in prayer as I give God my heart today God bless you God bless you. You can sing a cappella. Okay. The ship of your life is tossing on the sea of strife. You need someone. If you feel so all alone, when you woke up this morning, your house is not a home. You need someone. If it seems life isn't fair and there's no one left to share all those lonely days and lonely nights when things just won't turn out right oh you want someone to care and someone to just be there you really need someone so i give you jesus he is the peace that passes all understanding i give you jesus he's the perfect love that casteth out all fears i give you jesus he's the water that you drink and never thirst again i give you jesus oh my friend i give you jesus if the pressures all around Keep your spirit to the ground. You need someone. And if your body is in pain and your health you can't regain, you need someone. 
Many for times when you have tried with all the strength you had inside. And it seems that you have failed. Remember on the cross he nailed all the bitterness and grief to give you peace and sweet relief. He is that someone that you need. So I'll give you Jesus. He is the peace that passes all understanding. I give you Jesus. He's the water that you drink and never thirst again. I give you Jesus. Oh, my friend, I give you Jesus. He's everything, everything you'll ever need. Oh, my friend, I'll give you Jesus. Today, my friends, I just want to commit my family to God again. I want to accept him one more time into our hearts and say, Lord, make us into what you want us to be. Do you want to join me today? Your family, we are all a member of some family. Just stand where you are as we pray together, as we say, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my words, take my lips, take my hands, take my feet and consecrate me now and forever. Amen and amen. Amen. Preacher, I'm going to invite you to come and buy and, and, con and pray that special prayer of consecration for us as we commit ourselves in the hands of God. Amen. We thank you so much for these moments that we spent in your presence, Lord. We thank you for this series. We thank you for the words that have been shared. We thank you so much for Pastor Allen's ministry. We have been refreshed. We have been revived. Some of us, we have been rebuked, scolded. But we thank you that he shared the word clearly, that he was faithful to the word. And so we seek to recommit ourselves to you, our families, our spouses. We give it to you. We pray, Lord, that you continue to do your work of regeneration in our lives that you will remove from us those dysfunctional behaviors. That you will remove from us that heart 
of stone. The heart that is cold and indifferent, insensitive, and that will give us a heart of flesh, a heart that is caring, a heart that is other-centeredness, other-centered. We pray for that man, for that woman, that boy, that girl, who right now is making that decision for you. May you, through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, continue to work in that heart and help them to come to know the joy of full surrender. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We thank God for Pastor Allen. Amen. Were you blessed this week? Were you blessed this week? This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.